Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. On the first Sunday of this new year, when I was back in Ohio, I noted that I planned a year of learning to trust God more deeply. Who here trusts God? Some of us. Is it hard sometimes to trust God? Yes. Does it come naturally to you? Maybe some? But for most of us, I think it is safe to say that it is hard to trust God through every challenge that we face. What does it take to trust? I did not expect when I chose my theme word for this year, trust, that I was about to descend into a particularly difficult season where I could either learn to trust God more deeply or try to do it all on my own and forge my own way. For a while, as I had to part with many of my relationships out in Ohio, in the community I was a part of and formed there, it was a challenge to lean on God and trust God through every trial. At times, I ask why things have to happen the way they do. And there are times in my life when I have been asked if I feel emotion. How can you be happy and go on with your life after what some people might say to you in life? Shouldn't you be mad? Perhaps you've been asked that question. But that is the power of forgiveness. That is the power of God in my best moments because I rely on God for that, to bring that forgiveness to me. When I feel happy and able to go on, even though life can get difficult sometimes, That is when I have prayed and asked God to come to me. But there are also times when a friend might tell me, get over it, stop reliving it, you need to move on and start fresh. We've all been there too, I'm assuming. And those are some moments when I can relive negative things. And my mind has told me that nothing that I do, not even prayer, will change that circumstance. Because I have failed in everything, or for everything that goes wrong, I always could have done something better. But that is the power that evil thoughts can have over even the most faithful Christians. It is a power that many assume that those they look up to do not have to deal with. They have God with them all the time and always feel confident. I've been told that. But this, friends, is a testimony that evil thoughts and evil endeavors can wreak havoc on all of us. We are one and the same in this respect. Evil comes in many forms, but in short, it is anything that can distract us from God. We all have to pray repeatedly because we all 
are susceptible to its influence. We pray as Jesus taught us, Lord, deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. All of us have moments where we have trouble trusting that God can change things. If you claim that you do not, I would wonder if you were human. We are not expected to be perfect. None of us are. That is the very nature of being human. Someone told me early on in some of my trials, I didn't expect to see you taking it hard given how connected to God you are. We all can take some things hard, and we all have some difficult moments and some easier moments. But we all have trouble trusting God sometimes. I think we can agree to that. We all are one and the same in that respect. And that is why Jesus suggested that we all should pray prayers like the Lord's Prayer, for example, daily. That's the prayer that Jesus taught us, and we pray it every single week. I just, a few, for the past month and a half, I've been going through a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer in my churches that I had back in Ohio, and we really had a good time breaking it down, what each sentence of the prayer means. We all need to think about this. We all need to repeatedly renew our connection with God, and sometimes it is not as easy as turning pages in a book. I tell you this so that we might all know that we are one and the same. We all deal with strong moments when we can forgive and also weak moments when we can't stop thinking about what has gone wrong. What does it take to trust? Do you think Mary and Joseph had a hard time learning how to trust God? What would it be like to walk with them to Bethlehem or to walk with them to Egypt chatting with them about the things that they were struggling with along the way. I think a lot could be learned from that journey. They were able to trust God through the words that were revealed to them, even though it went against what the world expected of them. They trusted God wherever they went. They were not prepared to flee to Egypt after heading to Bethlehem. But they trusted that God knew the best way for them. What would it be like to be in the field overseas trying to trust that your commander knew what was best for you when you knew that some of you would not make it back from that mission? Would you follow with whatever you were told? Or would you have some questions from time to time? It might be difficult to place ourselves in those shoes, shoes that many have been placed in. Do you even have the opportunity to question? On Memorial Day, we remember all those who did not make it back from war, all those who were willing to give up even their lives if that is what it took. 
There are Christians who would give up their lives too. There are Christians who are told to renounce Jesus or be killed or tortured. But still, somehow, they trust that God is stronger than their persecutors. There are others who are mistreated for other reasons, not accepted even in the church. And what does it take for them to trust God more than they worry about their circumstances? What does it take to trust God more than to worry about your circumstances? What has more power over you? Trust in God or your circumstances that can very easily challenge your faith if things do not go your way. When I looked up the definition of trust, it told me that it is the firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of something or someone. When my cat jumps onto a surface, I have cats now, the cat trusts that that surface will be reliable to hold it. Sometimes it will look at the surface for a little bit, trying to gauge whether it's reliable enough. One time, Jasper, my cat, jumped onto a box that had a paper bag over the top of it. Guess what? It did not hold him. He sunk right into the box. He was surprised that it did not hold him. When my travel group wanted to see a dog show when we went to Fairbanks, Alaska, we noticed a dog jump off a very high platform over a fence where you could not see the other side of the fence. And there was nothing on the other side of the fence except for another person waiting to catch that dog. And the dogs trusted that they would be caught when they jumped over that fence even though they couldn't see. And thus they were willing to perform the stunt. When is the last time you gave someone or something your trust? Do you keep it to yourself? In this world today, perhaps the greatest thing we need to share with one another is our love. Frederick Beekner was quoted with this. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The world's deep hunger right now is love. Trillions of people, or billions at least, billions of people hunger for love in this world. And sometimes it is hard to find Many people keep love to themselves and are quicker to criticize than to love. We can work on changing that, if only in our little corner of the world. I am certain that my deep gladness is also found in love. I am glad when I have the opportunity to love my neighbor, to lead someone to God, 
and to simply show someone that other people do care about what you are going through. The world's deep hunger and my deep gladness, I believe, meet in love. It is a privilege to love our neighbor. And we are all ministers to minister that love to one another. But this is also why I consider it, and I believe God considers it, my calling. I love my neighbor by showing that I can trust them because I know that they care about me too. Perhaps we need to trust someone until they prove otherwise instead of keeping our trust captive until they prove to us that they earned it. Man says, show me and I'll trust you, but God says, trust me and I'll show you. It's very hard to earn trust if you are not giving an opportunity to show that you can be trusted. A potential leader will not rise up if no one trusts them with any task to complete. So where are you today? I encourage you to consider writing down your answers to these coming questions in your bulletin, perhaps, so that you can take them home and think about them this week. If you come to church to try to deepen your relationship with God within a hard world, which I believe many of us do, I am confident that these reflections will help you do just that. And I am confident of this because it has helped me in my own walk, pursuing my own relationship with God. First question I'd like you to reflect on is what keeps you from trusting God? Maybe not all the time, maybe just certain times, but what keeps you from trusting God? You may not have an answer right now, but maybe... An answer will come to you if you give it a little bit more thought. What takes away that trust? What keeps you from trusting God? Sometimes it could be violence or evil in the world, your own circumstances, your own or another's pain. Second, what would help you trust God more? What would help you trust God more? Maybe more prayer. Perhaps if your circumstances got better, but they don't always do that. Perhaps if you received a vision or witnessed a miracle, you would trust God more. We're not always privileged to those either. What can you do or what do you think you can experience or witness or think about to be able to trust God more in this season of your life? For me, it's been pray more. And third, how can you help your neighbor increase their faith, their trust in God? I often use faith and trust in God interchangeably because it's almost the same thing. When we have faith in God, we have trust in God. How can you help your neighbor increase their faith? Perhaps you can be more welcoming or accepting or loving to your neighbor. Perhaps you can remember God's blessings together, remember what God has done in the past. One thing I heard was 
uh, when we're not feeling that God is with us. Perhaps we can think back to when God did something to us, for us. If you don't believe your prayers are answered, perhaps we can think back to a time when God did answer a prayer. Reminds us that God is there. Perhaps we can also help our neighbor increase their faith by simply praying for them, praying for their faith. Sometimes that's all we can do. But how can you help your neighbor increase their faith? It can be different for each one of us and each one of the circumstances that are available to us. My first takeaway from what God is telling me is that we are all one and the same. We are all in one boat together. We all have some bad circumstances, but we also all have some good circumstances. We often do not control our circumstances, but we can control whether it causes us to turn toward or away from God, or toward or away from others who want to help us and love us. My second takeaway is that God gives us God's own ways to believe in God more and trust in God more. In our scripture readings today, we put ourselves in the context of a young church where the disciples were still partially in hiding for fear of the Jewish leaders after Jesus had ascended into heaven following the resurrection. This is just immediately after the ascension after Jesus was appearing to the disciples after the resurrection and they were seeing Jesus, Jesus was appearing, but they weren't quite going out and into the world yet, confident in the message. They were just trying to get their own confidence that Jesus was actually alive still. And then we have ascension uh, 10 days before Pentecost and the disciples are still trying to figure out what to do. They were afraid. They were trying their hardest to fight that fear and do what Jesus taught them, but it was hard for them. It was not easy. There were people out to get them who would recognize them as being associated with Jesus. They were afraid of being arrested or worse, killed. They kept reliving the negative things that happened to them and to Jesus, and it weakened their faith and their trust in God. And then, suddenly, a sound, like the rush of a violent wind, came from heaven, and everyone could understand each other in their own native language. This was a miracle that proved to the disciples that their ministry would be blessed, and that God was still with them. If you may find yourself dismayed or afraid today, Remember that the disciples understand where you are right now because they were there. The fear that you face now is one and the same with the fear that they faced before they learned to trust God despite that fear. And the best part is that we, is that we have the same Holy Spirit that came down to quell that fear of the disciples. We have the Holy Spirit who makes things possible. 
Third and finally, my third takeaway is a question. It is a question that you and I must answer for ourselves. How can you use the faith or confidence that newly receiving the Spirit can give you? How did the disciples use it? They went out and made disciples of nations as Jesus told them to do. How can you use it to bless someone else? It is okay if you do not feel quite ready to jump into this question straight away. If you have to stick to finding the Holy Spirit and relearning how to trust God and understand this faith life, do that, because that is a good place to be. This is where the disciples were again between the, between the resurrection and Pentecost, but there was so much potential energy that was building up with good things about to happen. And if you are here ready to use the Spirit in new ways, so that you can learn to live a legacy for God's glory, that you may live to leave that legacy for God's glory in new ways, then I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as you read this morning again. Just because we have the Spirit, we are not automatically good at everything. and We don't need to expect ourselves or our neighbor to be good at every church thing, every God thing. There are many spiritual gifts that belong to the Spirit, but all these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. Which one is yours, or which two are yours, but not which forty? Does the Spirit give you wisdom or knowledge, prophecy or gifts of healing? What talent has a spirit given you so that you can make this world a better place with God's help? May you treat others with kindness if you do not know what they are going through. We dream of a world where everyone respects each other, even when they have different beliefs because they are a fellow human being. We dream of justice and praise of God abounding. And we dream of a world where our primary goal is living to prepare for God's glorious reign of peace, where time and tears will be no more, and all but love will cease, as our song, O for a World, that we'll sing, says. Paul's thought to the Corinthians summarizes the world's greatest need well. In one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. May our greatest desire be likewise. God is saying to you, I need you to get excited again. I need you to remember that you are not in this thing alone. I'm working on your challenges. Trust me. May all glory and honor be to God. Thanks be to God. And amen.